Draft's podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier eSport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite eSports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassener. I am a free agent head coach and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to week three of the EU LCS Guess the Lines podcast. Suspiciously without any gambling lines this time around. Unfortunately, Unicorn, there were some delays in getting the lines up there. They did everything they could. We did everything we could to wait on them so that we could give that to you. Uh, Instead, it's going to be a bonus episode tomorrow. Those of you who really enjoy the gambling lines, just stay tuned on SoundCloud.com slash EsportsRoughDrafts or on any of our Twitter pages. You'll get it when it comes out. Otherwise, we're going to spend this podcast breaking down all of our action from week two, looking at all these upcoming matchups uh, in week three. And of course, when I say we, I am referring to my co-host, good friend, and fellow contributor at Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciedis Petchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? Yo, yo, yo. I'm doing pretty well. I'm very excited to be discussing week two and week three of Europe, looking back on what happened in week two, and looking forward to week three because some interesting things have have happened and kind of changed perhaps the landscape of the European League of Legends scene. Yeah, I feel like with some of the news that came out this week, as well as some of the games that were played last week, the entirety of the European scene has been blown wide open. And one of the teams that helped facilitate that were my boys in blue, Rockat. Went 3-1 and one last week, including a 2-0 sweep over Vitality. It's a shame that they're no longer the most European team out there in their tie streak, but it does put them into third in the European standings. It is incredibly exciting to see what this team has become as a fan. Walter, what are you noticing when you look at this team? Well, I'm noticing a couple of things. One, they're fourth in the standings because they're 1-3-0 and and Fnatic are 2-1-1. and and two, I'm actually surprised you aren't more excited about the uh, one and one tie with G2 as opposed to the O2 uh, victory over Vitality because the way Vitality has been playing, they don't look like they're going to be a consistent threat in Europe. So I'm just a little curious why you chose Vitality over G2. Well, because when G2 played the way that G2 should play, they crushed us. And they crushed us because of the perennial nightmare that is rooting for airwalks. I cannot get through nine weeks of watching him die somewhere between three and five times in the first 15 minutes of every game. It is so terrifying to watch. Even my mom, who has started watching games with me uh, while I've been going over some of these VODs, will look up and say, why is that one dying all the time? And I'm like, I don't know, mom. He just, just what he does this is just what it's like to be a Rockat fan. I, I guess there's a, a point to be made that Rockat had some really cohesive moments to come back and win that G2 game despite falling from behind, but they fell so far behind and they threw a fight that gave G2 the Baron and by all accounts should have been the game, leaving Steelback as stranded as he was in that middle of the game team fight near the Dragon Pit, was one of the worst fights that I think Rockat has made in the late game. They made up for it. They were able to get the victory, but it's one of those things where I feel like if Expect had itemized better, if G2 had been more cohesive in some of their rotations, Rockat didn't necessarily win that game so much as take advantage of the fact that G2 lost it. I felt like Rockat beat Vitality. I think Rockat went out there and said, we are not just some 3-3 three and three team that has tied everyone we've gone up against, that's so 
fluctuating based on whether we have a good early game or not. They came out there, they had a game plan, and they beat Vitality. It was not a close series. And to me, that's what you need to do. If you're going to be a playoff team, which is where I saw Rock at in that kind of four through six spot, you have to beat teams that are worse than you. And that's what they did against Vitality. Yeah, no, I, I actually would agree with you there. And, and I was just curious of why you weren't a little bit more excited about the G2 win, but that's absolutely understandable. I I am just kind of shocked at how we now discuss Team Rocket and the phrase late game team fighting masters is just blows my mind because last split they couldn't do anything in the late game to save their lives. And now their issues are in the early game, which they looked so good in the spring split. And it's very unusual because it doesn't look like Airwalks is changing his playstyle very much, but it seems like the playstyle of the entire team is much more reliant on team fights, is less about dominating the laning phase, like what happened when you had um, your your weaker 80 carries and you had Freddy 122 in the top lane. And now Parang and Rays have added this sort of team fighting peel composition that makes use of the the meteoric rises that Steelback and Betsy had over the spring and are continuing into the summer. Steelback is proving that he deserves to be considered one of the top 380 carries in, in Europe. Just outright showing that the spring wasn't a fluke. And Betsy is now sort of taking a secondary role to him and allowing Steelback to be the primary carry, while Betsy is now being this utility mid-lane damage with the Swains, with the, the Victors, with the Vladimirs, and really focusing on controlling team fights and allowing his teammates to do damage around him. Um, but the Airwalk's weakness is definitely starting to rear its ugly head and really showing that, man, something something happened in the offseason with, with these changes and the decision-making process in his head where he is now really making some really bad decisions earlier on in the game and is really getting punished for them. Absolutely. And that's what worries me about this series against Origin because... And, and we'll get into some more detail on this later, but it does feel like Origin is a team that can punish those kinds of mistakes. Yes, Steelback is going to be able to bully X-Peke as an AD carry. That's something that I'm not too concerned about as a Rockat fan. But if Airwalk starts feeding Soaz kills, Soaz is playing like it's the playoffs and we're only in week two. It has been so much fun watching him rise to the occasion here when the team needs him most. And yes, he's having to do it on champions like Jax. That's something that's going to happen when the rest of your team isn't able to keep up. You just turn to the guy who's able to carry. But the fact that everyone knows that he's the big threat and he's still getting away with it just shows that veteran experience that Origin have here. And it's one of those things where we have enough tape of airwalks now. Experienced teams, teams that are used to the flow of the game and are able to pinpoint those kinds of pathing issues, the the things that get him in all this trouble in the first place, I feel like Origin can definitely take advantage of that. So it's certainly going to be an interesting series, but we're going to move on to the next one. Fnatic versus Schalke. Both of these teams we were incredibly excited about after week one. I, I don't necessarily feel less excited about Fnatic, but... Schalke showed some pretty sizable weaknesses in their loss against Splice. What happened to your man Gilius, Walter? Man, I'm I'm just not sure. Um, that's part of the part of being a fan of Gilius, I suppose, is that sometimes you you get the good with the bad, and and he had a couple of bad games this past weekend. It was really disappointing to see it. I really thought he had you know taken a step forward. And his decision-making was much better and that he was really going to kind of elevate his play and, and being one of the next you know great junglers in Europe. Um, unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. And Trashy was able to take advantage of him. Amazing was able to take advantage of him. And the teams around, especially Splice, the entire Splice roster, I think, has ex excelled and really improved from where we saw them in the spring and i think they're starting to play at the level that we kind of expected them to play at when we saw them crush through the european challenger scene and qualify for the spring split i think they're finally getting to that point where they're really going to start contending with you know the lower playoff teams and even getting into a team like fanatic where shulk it, it's a consistency thing it's that the players that they've picked 
are to be consistent, to play very measured games, to be not take too many incredible risks, not take too many, you know, not have too many weaknesses. They got rid of Iko, who was their major weakness. And the one last volatile aspect on this team is Gilius. And when he is on point, when his decision-making is working out, he can carry games like we saw in week one. We can see him truly influence the course of the game. But when his decision-making isn't up to snuff and he's making some mistakes and he's really getting taken advantage of, then this you know sort of consistent no-risk play style that Schalk is trying to use and embrace really comes back to bite them. Uh, it, it really comes down to, if you want a sports reference here, Schalk is trying to play very conservatively with a run-heavy o- offense in football and you know with a, a game-managing quarterback where they want to minimize risk and they just want to try and win the game with a slow, steady approach. And the catalyst is their running back, and that would be Gilius in this metaphor. And when he is hitting his holes, when he's holding on to the football, man, you're going to score some touchdowns, you're going to control the game, you're going to prevent Tom Brady from getting on the field for 30 plays, 50 plays a game. When decision-making isn't there and he's fumbling a lot, then the opposing team really gets to take advantage because you don't have any explosive weapons. And that's what Schalk is really missing on this team, is an explosive weapon that can just take over the game. Yeah, I think that's absolutely reasonable. And if you want two stats that symbolize him kind of fumbling on the job, he is responsible for 25.3% of his team's deaths. The only jungler that is responsible for more of his team's deaths is Airwalks. As an Airwalks fan, I can tell you that's not a good sign. He is also the jungler with the lowest kill participation in the league with only 64.3%. His lows are really low, and that's the problem that you have, is that when you're relying on consistency from everything else, you need your jungler to be there. But to be honest, I'm not sure that Fnatic is all that different in that regard at this point. We saw Spirit just hammer in that Kha'Zix pick time and time again, and when it worked, it looked really great. Their series against Unicorns of Love was dominant. But when you saw them play against a team with some actual cohesion like H2K Gaming, the whole thing just fell apart. Walter, what are we left with uh, when you look at how Fnatic has performed these last two weeks? I I look at Fnatic and we're seeing similar issues that Yellowstar had on TSM. Um, Lesser so in lane because Yellowstar and Reckless seem to just go really well together in lane. But getting caught out of position on Rome, getting caught out of position when he's trying to go ward, it's just... Not, you know, there's some sort of disconnect in his head and what he's communicating to the rest of the team. And he has very, very straightforward paths to what he's doing. And you can really pick him off if you have vision in the right places. Um, But I think the real crux of the issue isn't Spirit. Spirit's been the obvious MVP for this team. But it comes down to Fabivant hasn't been quite playing as well as we expected. And Gamsu really is just stagnated in his professional career of better top laners are going to beat him. They're just going to beat him. They're going to outfarm him. They're going to take advantage of him in lane, you know, and smart junglers are just going to go to those lanes and get their guys ahead. The same thing can happen when you have top laners that are at the same skill level of him. When you're talking about, you know, these mid-tier guys, four, five, and six, which is sort of where Gamsu lives. And again, if you pressure him with a jungle, he's prone to stepping up without, you know, without having wards defending his flanks, stepping up into places where he shouldn't be, not really controlling the river with vision, not asking for Spirit to come and ward. And some of that may be that Spirit is so carry minded that he's not willing to go and place some of these words he's not allowing his teammates to call him but that's really been the problem is that they aren't really establishing enough vision for yellow star and for gamsu to advance into enemy territory and and you know maintain safety but, but i really do like fanatics play style with this kha'zix of they really just are trying to cheese people essentially with these hyper assassin builds on their jungler and just relying on spirit to try and be the carry and then supplement him with lane control and team fight control mages and utility style AD carries, which is really where reckless sort of shines as opposed to hard carry AD carries. If they can shore up sort of the vision control and really 
highlight the fact that these two players on the on the top and bottom in Yellow Star and Yamsu are really getting picked off and helping snowball their opponents' advantages. They can figure it out, but I just haven't seen anything that makes me feel like Fnatic can really contest with either H2K or G2. Well, funnily enough, Gamsu's death numbers are not nearly as bad as you might think. He's only died 13 times, which is the second fewest amongst top laners that have played five or more games. I'm not including Expect in there for obvious reasons, though he did manage to die seven times, so he's on pace to not be so great in that regard. But what's really killed Gamsu is that he's only been involved in 60.3% of his team's kills. That is the lowest kill participation amongst top laners. And his CS differential at 10 minutes is the third worst amongst top laners, only ahead of Steve and Kikis. The guy isn't winning lane, and he's not teleporting particularly well. And this is where that vision point really comes into play. The reason that we think of Gamsu as being a guy that just doesn't have any real impact on the game or is holding the team back, it's not because he's dying or the teams are necessarily punishing him by securing kills. It's that he's not doing anything to help get the team ahead. Spirit is going out of his way on these super aggressive junglers, Kha'Zix just being the latest of them, to try to single-handedly force these plays and, and get to this position where Fnatic can, can just grab these easy, isolated kills. But if the vision isn't there, if the teleport communication isn't there, well, that makes it really hard for Reckless and Forbidden to do their jobs. Makes it very hard for Spirit to do what he wants to do without it being an incredible risk. And that's what we saw in the H2K series, is that they were having to take these risks that they were punished for time and time again. And for me, at the end of the day, that's something that I find concerning. The, the question, Walter, at the end of the day is, is it concerning enough that we should worry about them against a team like Schalke here? I don't think we should truly be worried about them. I don't think Shulk is going to 2-0 them. And Shulk seems like the prime prey for a guy like Spirit to just go off on this hyper-aggressive, you know, kill-everything style Kha'Zix, essentially. Maybe we'll see a Rengar, which we saw it over in North America, and it wasn't as successful as I think Spirit could be. And that's because Spirit is the type of player that Shulk is missing, that superstar that i'm just going to take over a game i'm just going to blow everything up and i'm going to win the game for my team this is what shulk should try to aspire to be they should try to aspire to be like fanatic because they do have four rather consistent players across the board and one player who is that catalyst who's going to ignite something sometimes it's forbidden sometimes it's spirit but they do have one guy in every game that they win that just goes off so i don't see shulk 2-0ing fanatic i see perhaps there is a chance that shulk one you know takes the tie but i really think this is going to be a good series for fanatic to bounce back in yeah, I think this is Fnatic series to lose in all reality, even an individual game, because as you said, their styles are so close. And when you have two teams that like to play the same way, you have to ask yourself, well, what does the other team have that they can do better? What, what can Shulk do better than Fnatic? And right now, I don't have an answer to that question. So I think this one's going to go Fnatic's way. Let's move on to Vitality versus Unicorns of Love, but... Before we get an analysis, I got to just give me a second here. I just had to pour one out for uh, our poor fans over the Unicorns of Love subreddit who insisted that they were going to be a top three team. I am not going to name and shame. I'm not that kind of guy, but my heart goes out to you. You know who you are. Uh, clearly, this week was not what you were expecting, getting O2'd by Giants Gaming. Is there a way to bounce back from that, Walter? Like, how? what does Unicorns of Love have to do to turn this around? I mean, you just have to get better. I, you've got younger players. You have much, you have inexperienced players. You have players that have not been the most successful in their careers in Veritas and Move. Like, let's be honest here. You guys are a young roster, and you caught lightning in a bottle last split. Like, no one expected Fox and Steelback to be as good as they were, and congratulations, they played really well. The aggressive jungling style that you had when you had Diamond and then Joko and then Rudy worked very well. 
the second you went to some, you know, this really conservative approach with Lolex, it didn't work out and your players left because they found better opportunities elsewhere. So now you're back to square one. And this is what it's actually like to build a team back up from the, you know, from the ground up. You're replacing three of your starters to expect that you're going to get the same results that you got in the spring is, is kind of ridiculous. You need to just keep supporting this team. You need to keep being fans of this team because they're unique. They're awesome. They're cool. Like unicorns of love. That's a really cool name. And they had this really cool beginning and being a fan of this team is, is cool. Like I legitimately think it's cool. And I said, cool, like 30,000 times in that speech, <laughs> but you have to realize it's developmental. You are now a developmental team. You are now the 76ers of the European LCS and probably the LCS as a whole. You got to develop these guys. You got to just sit back and hope that they're better than the challenger seeing teams, which it kind of looks like they are going to be. And you just have to take it one game and one series at a time. And against Team Vitality, this is a chance for you guys to do that. This is, again, a chance to play against a team that is of a similar level to you. It does have some star players that has some very good players in their solo lanes and at their support position. But this is a chance for you guys to match up against another lower tier team and maybe get a tie and maybe take a winner here, you know, a win or two here and there. So if I'm Unicorns of Love, okay, guys, you got your first two weeks out of the way. This is what you really are. We aren't going to be top three. So let's just focus on a game at a time and improving as a team so that if we do end up in that relegation zone, which I think is highly likely, we can show how much we've grown since week one. Yeah. I think that's the right way to approach it. And for the record, I'm not worried about Unicorns of Love fans at all. Obviously, it's it's hard to see any team struggle. As a Rockat fan last split, I can empathize with that feeling of just not knowing when your team's going to put it together. But, you know, there's a system in place. They've been in the LCS for a couple years now. They're clearly going to try to build this up and see what they have and rebuild it for the spring split, depending on what changes are needed. Honestly, you know, if Unicorns of Love fans are some of the most optimistic fans that I have ever seen. When you go to the LCS stage and you see them in the crowd and they're wearing the unicorn hats with the with the pink glowing sparkles and all of that stuff, like those fans care. That is a team that has gone out of their way to cultivate a very passionate fan base. They'll be all right. It's not going to be a fun split. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's going to be rough to see it go down this way, but I think they're going to be okay in the long run. Vitality, I'm not so sure, though. This is a team that you you had to feel when they were making these changes. They wanted to win now. That's why you get rid of a guy like Shook, because you want to win now. And right now, it seems like they made some poor choices on those imports. Walter, what, what does Vitality need to do to get things around? Is there a fix for them in this situation? The, the fix for Vitality is they need to focus, refocus on what made them successful. And that was playing through their solo laners. At the beginning of the spring split, it was playing through Cabo Shard. At the end of the spring split, it was playing through Nuke Duck. They never were a bot lane focused team and they never were truly a jungle focused team. And they need to get back on that track. I understand Kossing realizes now that it's difficult playing with the new AD carry. He even said so much and said he didn't realize how easy he had it playing with Hjarnin. Hjarnin made it easy for him. They need to focus on what they are good at. And right now, unfortunately, the meta shit is shifting towards AD carries being dominant and top lane split pushers being dominant. Guess what? You have one of the best Western top lane split pushers, period, in Cabo Shark. Get him on Jax, get him on Fiora, get him on Trundle, get him out there and build a team comp that is 1-4 one, one and just protect your, your weaker links. Protect your jungler, protect your AD carry, and, and let Cabochard do Cabochard things that we always demeaned him for and decried him for and said he's not a, a reasonable top laner, that he can't play the tanks, that he can't do that. He's proving he can play the tanks. We know he can play the tanks. Now get him on a Jax, get him on a Fiora, and get him split pushing because that is the only way you're going to see success until maybe the meta shifts into a mid lane dominant position as well. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. If any team needs to pull an origin and just pick a guy to split push and hard carry the team for him, right now it's got to be Vitality. You cannot just assume that Mighty Bear 
and Raya are going to come together overnight. That's going to take time. Those are projects that you have signed up for. And the win now philosophy that you might have had when you made those moves, that's not going to happen. But if you want to put yourself in a position to let those projects grow, to keep things close enough that you can make that late series run, now you have to trust in Cabochard. You need to trust in the star player that you built this team around and let him be the guy. Because he absolutely can be, especially against a team like Unicorns of Love, that right now, I, I don't know who you would say the guy is. I, I guess it's Vizichachi, but I still trust Cabochard in that matchup quite a bit. So this is your chance to kind of get everything back on track and figure out what the strategy is that's going to lead you guys to victory. But we're going to move on to the biggest story of the week. G2 and H2K. But G2 is going to be down one Kickus. Kickus made the decision he was no longer comfortable playing in this scenario where he did not know whether he was going to be the starter or not. He asked for assurance that he would get the job. G2 made the decision not to give him that because that would be breaking their promise to expect to which he said okay then give expect the job because i can't play like this and be the player i want to be and it's very much a reminder of uh, a quote in uh, kelsey moser's recent piece on the score the import appetite and the kickus quandary uh, where chinese ex edward gaming mid laner you once said in an interview that because teams favored having Korean starters, quote, even if I had been better than him, I still wouldn't have played. That was the reality. Walter, do you, do you think that that's what leads Kickus to this point? Or are there other flaws within G2 that got them here? I don't necessarily think that it is a problem with the organization. I think that this is a problem with players' mindsets across the board in that they feel like they don't have to work to keep their jobs. They almost feel like they once they earn the job, they're just handed to them until something happens where they lose it, whether it's they underperform or whatnot. And to be fair, Kickus wasn't underperforming. So I could see why he would look at this situation and go, you know, what did I do? Like, why, why is someone replacing me? But he is not the best player on that team. He is the worst player on that team of five. If you look at their starting roster, he was the worst player. And the job of a general manager, the job of a coach, is to do whatever they can to get their team to win. And in professional sports, that's looking at your weakest links and finding ways to improve them. Sometimes it's you just change the training regimen for that player. Sometimes it's you sign someone to sit behind him, light a fire under his butt, and go, okay, you know, your job might be on the line. Sometimes it is just outright replacing them. And that is usually what we see in esports. We have seen a few instances of the second one. We've seen Keith McBrief go to Team Liquid. We've seen him go to TSM and try to ignite a fire underneath Piglet and Wild Turtle. That seems to be sort of what G2 was doing here, bringing in a possible replacement for the top lane. One that hasn't had a ton of success elsewhere. It is also possible, as Kelsey did say in that article, that they wanted to bring another Korean in to make sure that Trix still felt comfortable with this team. I don't necessarily buy that because there were reports and interactions between Trick and Perks that make me seem like, you know, they're friends, like they get along really well. So he doesn't necessarily need that sort of, you know, safety blanket. Um, but the way that Kickus acts, the way that he acted in this of wanting more guaranteed practice time, wanting more guaranteed that he is the starter on that team, when you're the worst player on that team, you don't really get to make that demand. Everyone else on that team is arguably the best in their position in Europe. Everyone. And Kikis maybe is a top three top laner, but they need to figure out some place to improve. And unfortunately, that bullseye falls on Kikis's back. He is the one place left on that team that they can look to improve in terms of talent, in terms of players. Granted, there are things inside the game that you can constantly do to improve, but he's the he's the last piece. He potentially is that last piece that might need to get replaced. So 
it's it sucks it sucks that you have you know all this pressure heaped on you of a replacement coming in but that's how professional sports works you're always looking to protect your job you're always working to earn that position and unfortunately it just doesn't look like kick has had the right mindset to deal with that well and this is where i think it does fall on the organization is you as an organization need to understand who your players are and what will and will not motivate them Bringing Keith into Liquid was great because Piglet's the kind of competitor that's going to want to beat a guy like that. That's something where he's like, no, 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 no one's playing ahead of me. It's going to push him forward. With Kickus, he clearly felt uncomfortable. And in his personal statement, he said, yeah, I understand that G2 had to follow their commitments. I don't blame them in the slightest for doing that. But I couldn't play this way and feel like I was being the best version of myself. And you know what? When you're getting half of the scrim time that you used to and half of the practice time with the team that you're used to, yeah, it's going to be really hard to grow, at least in the way that a guy like Kikis wants to. And if you're going to make a case that Kikis is someone that needs to be replaced, here are some stats to keep in mind. He leads top laners in earned gold per minute. He has the third best KDA amongst top laners, and he has the third highest kill participation amongst top laners. The guy was a very, very, very good top laner. And there's kind of this problem that you can fall into where you say, oh, well, he's the weakest link, so we need to find a replacement. There might not be a replacement better than Kikis. And this is where Expect now is going to have a huge amount of pressure on him. Expect is an LSPL Korean, with the exception of some experience as a backup on Midas and Xenix Storm. He's played on... 2144 gaming and didn't do all that much to be impressive. He's not some young guy that came out of nowhere. He's been in the scene since 2014 and didn't really accomplish much during that time. There isn't any reason to expect, pun intended, that he's going to somehow become this much better player overnight. And while it's easy to say that you have to look to improve the team. And of course teams should be looking to improve the team. That's what the off-seasons are for. In esports in general, there are very few six-man rosters that have ever proved to be successful. There are a lot of 10-man rosters that have been had, and those have had mixed results. And there are five-man rosters. But it is very different when you're telling just one player that only your job is on the line. This isn't competing because we want competition across the board. This is competing because we think you are replaceable. And now they are. And now they have to prove that they were right. And unfortunately, there aren't a lot of markers to say that this is necessarily going to work out. Expect has to be an outlier in a season that has already proved that LSPL Koreans like Mighty Bear haven't particularly been all that impressive. Is it possible? Of course. And G2 would know better than anyone else. But it's a big risk here. And I think it's it's easy to say, oh, Kika should have fulfilled the contract as was planned. And anyone who says that, I will 100% agree. But I also 100% understand when you're not scrimming the way you'd like, when you don't feel comfortable in your spot, it's hard to be the best version of yourself. And... Kikis clearly didn't feel like he was that guy. Now it's up to expect to be that guy. And he's going to have a very tough way of going about it against H2K this week, a team that really came on board. How do they help make Expect's transition into the starting lineup easier against a team that has such a good top laner in Oduamne and has really come alive with Freeze last week? Well... G2 does not play through their top lane. They've never played through their top lane. That's just not their play style. They play through their jungler and they play through their mid laner. And now they're playing through their AD carry and they're picking two of those guys per game. Their jungle, their mid, and their AD carry. And they're saying, these two guys are the carries. Everyone else play around them. So for expect, and even though we saw a bunch of Aurelia play and we started to see some more carries in the top lane, if that is truly where it's going towards, then you have to pull resources away from one of those other guys, the AD carry, the mid, or the jungle, and you have to put them into the top laner's hands, and you have to protect that top laner. Because in the one game we did see expect, he did not look great. He did not look amazing, and he was against a much weaker top laner than Oduamne. 
Oduwamne is also not this overbearing presence in the laning phase. He's not going to completely control the laning phase like someone like Vizachachi, but he does he does all right. He's a pretty consistent laner. He's going to get his farm, and he's going to teleport fairly well. And that looked like that was what the big difference between Expect and Kikis was. Kikis, really smart, really timely teleports. Expect was definitely a few seconds late. And you'll fix that as you get more acclimated with each other and as your communication improves. But, but they really need to nail down this synergy. And they luckily, they have some time. They've built themselves up a little bit of a lead in first place. But this is going to be a very large test for expect and for the rest of G2 Esports and their coaching staffs of how quickly can they make this work and are they going to be able to hold on to that top spot for a foreseeable future. Yeah, and funnily enough, in that regard, I do believe that Kikis actually did the team a favor by forcing this ultimatum sooner rather than later. If you're going to have to make this call and expect has to be the guy moving forward, you'd much rather do it now than later in the split. So in that regard... I guess things are going according to plan. I, I still have concerns. I have a lot of concerns about Expect personally, but it's up to Expect to show on the Rift what he's capable of and see if the work ethic that we so commonly attribute to Korean imports is going to shine through in his development. But we have to move on to Splice versus Giants. I don't want to spend too much time on this series. Let's just talk really quickly about Splice they seem to take a step forward this week, especially Trashy, who finally looked like the guy that I was telling everyone he was going to be last split. Do you think that this growth is sustainable from Splice? I think it is. And in all honesty, the importance of growth is more important for Kabe. Trashy's growth is great. That's perfect. But Kabe's growth is more important because he's the one that's been primarily carrying this team. Uh, when you look at their victories and you look at the fact that Senkux is playing more of a supportive role and Wonder is playing more of a split-pushing pressure role and allowing Kabe the freedom to really, really carry this team and really open up a lot of what they're able to accomplish. He's dying a lot less than he did in the past. He has a pretty good kill participation. He's losing laning phase, but not as much as he was. And the rest of the team is playing very well around it and really focused on trying to make sure that Kabe is being successful. Wonder is continuing his dominant laning phases. He's still controlling much of the laning phase and is the second best top laner when it comes to dominating laning phase, having an advantage in the laning phase. He is only behind Odawamne of H2K. So they're really playing through their AD carry and their top laner, and that's where the meta is shifted towards. It's really going towards using control mages in the mid lane that disrupt team fights and the Azirs, the Victors, the Swains, the Vlads, and really having your carry pressure coming from your AD carry and now your top laner as we're shifting into this more split push dominant Jax Aurelia Trundle style meta. And I think that's going to be great for Wonderware, who is able to, you know, hold his own in the laning phase and actually beat most other top laners in Europe. Yeah, I think that's undoubtedly true. Uh, Kabi has become a top 580 carry, which is a lot more than we could say about him last split. If he can keep this up, if Trashy continues to grow, if Mikey continues to be a decent support, Please don't play Bard again, Mikey. That's my one wish for you, because that did not go well at all. But everything else you've done has been pretty okay. So as long as we avoid that, I think Splice is going to look like a pretty solid team. I like him against this Giants team quite a bit. We're going to move on, though. Uh, rapid Fire, Unicorns of Love versus G2. Any reason to believe something's going to surprise us here, Walter? If G2 loses to H2K, this will be a really, really nice bounce-back game. Although... Vizichachi, if Expect is not up to stuff, Vizichachi is a very, very good top laner and could dominate him. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. If you're Expect, this is exactly what you're looking for. You're still going to be challenged in the top lane. It's not going to be just a pushover because you don't learn a lot from playing pushovers. But at the same time, the rest of Unicorns of Love are struggling so much right now. And it's just one of those things where, you know, Power of Evil versus Exile, Sven and, and Mithy versus Veritas... I'm feeling pretty good about that series. I think G2 is going to be just fine. And hopefully Expect can use that as a way to get acclimated to the rest of his team. Rocket versus Shulk 04. 
this is a matchup of two teams that we were very excited about last week. Rocket really came into their own. Schalke took a little bit of a step back, but still has enough going for him that this is a a, a matchup that needs to be taken seriously. And, and it does seem like Gilius versus Airwalks is the most perfect way to represent these two teams as they go head-to-head. Walter, what are you expecting as these teams match up? Honestly, this is going to be much bigger for like end-of-the-year seeding. This is a really important matchup for both teams. Schalke, they're playing against Fnatic on day one. Downward slide. They have really had had two really tough opponents the last two games. If they don't show anything against Fnatic, they really need to try and, again, bounce back against Rocket, who is more at their level. And for Rocket, they're on an upward swing. They took a game off of G2. They had the 2-0 over Team Vitality. They have an easier day one matchup against Origin. Their players are all improving. And and this is really a chance for Airwalks to play against another kind of caustic jungler, where sometimes he can be super, super successful, and other times he makes a lot of mistakes and can really be taken advantage of. So that matchup between Gilius and Airwalks is going to be really interesting to watch and see who is able to take advantage of the other person's mistakes, or are they essentially a wash and it relies on the rest of the teams to carry, in which I would then take Rocket over Shulk. That's really what it's going to come down to to me. If Schalke can punish Airwalks successfully and Gilius gets going early, Schalke is consistent enough in their team fighting that they're going to be able to take a victory. If Airwalks can get away with some things, or at the very least, Gilius doesn't get so far ahead that it snowballs the game, Rocket right now looks like a more cohesive team fighting team. The way they pick their fights has been overall incredibly impressive. And I think that it's one of those series where we're going to learn a lot about how they handle pressure and how these teams are able to transition from an early game that could really go either way into closing out these mid and late games and really closing the door on their opponents. We're going to learn a lot about both of these teams after this series, I think, for sure. Splice versus Fnatic. Splice is obviously looking at an uphill struggle here. What do they need to do to upset the favorites? If they want to upset Fnatic, they really have to take advantage of the fact Wonderware is a better top laner than Gamsu. Really needs to take advantage of that laning phase, get him on something that can really split push, really put a lot of pressure on the map, and they just need to play as a team, and they need to be really focused on if Spirit is going to just ride this Kha'Zix pick. You have to bunch up. You can't let him get resets. Pick champions that you can play around that that have a lot of control, a lot of healing. You know, Nami's, Kindred might be a good pick, so you can put down the alt if you have to. Tarek. Tarek might be really, really smart against Fnatic if you're able to bunch up and really just sort of death ball into this Kha'Zix. So it's really going to be about controlling Spirit and trying to get that advantage in the top lane and really punish Gamsu. Absolutely. I also think that a huge part of this is going to be whether Kabi can get onto a hard carry, AD carry. We've seen he's 3-0 and on Caitlyn this split, and his Caitlyn has been nearly immaculate with an 8.6 KDA. The guy has looked incredible on that champion. Everything else has been a huge step backwards for him. Uh, his Lucian's 1-2, and two, his Ash and Ezreal left something to be desired as well. So if he's put in an opportunity to really take advantage of some of yellow stars lingering positioning issues then i think that splice can find a way in that way as well but i also think that daylor is a very smart coach i don't see splice being allowed to have the caitlin pick and i have a feeling that fanatic's going to be able to come on top here let's slow things down a little bit when we talk about vitality versus h2k because H2K was arguably the most impressive team from last week. A decent 2-0 victory over Giants, but an incredibly solid 2-0 victory over Fnatic. What was it, Walter, that enabled this middle-of-the-pack H2K team to really take a step up in a big way last week? Welcome to the League of Draven. Ah. I, I may or may not be wearing my League of Draven shirt as you say that, by the way. <laughs> just so you know i it's freezes draven everyone like seems to forget that he does have this champion that he can pull out whenever and he's really really good at it him and vander were just absolutely able to take control of that fanatic series they were able to punish what is a very passive reckless and yellow star bot lane and they can do the same against rage and 
costing because again they're fairly passive reg did play very well on the vein in their first game against origin they looked okay but he made a lot of laning stakes that could absolutely be punished by the draven i wouldn't be surprised if vitality just ban it because they don't want to give freeze this opportunity to snowball the game uh so incredibly but you're also talking about Yankos, the first Blood King against Mighty Bear, who has been rather weak in terms of his pathing, in terms of his ability to influence the lanes. Um, if Vitality wants to stand a chance, it's going to come down to Nukeduck and Cabochard beating Ryu and Odoamne, and I'm just not sure they can. I'm just not sure that, that is enough to beat all the firepower that H2K Gaming can bring to this game. Yeah, it's very hard to find a path for victory for Vitality here. Just because of the way these teams match up. Cabochard is a great top laner, but so is Oduamne. And H2K has the benefit of having Yankos to help out in that 2v2, whereas Mighty Bear hasn't been that guy. And my biggest concern for Vitality, if Raya couldn't punish Xpeke as an AD carry last week, what makes me think that they're going to be able to punish Freeze and Vander? after that bot lane took such a huge step forward last week. I am heavily on the H2K bandwagon in this particular series, and I think that it's going to say a lot about Vitality, whether they're able to get a game or if they roll over here, because the schedule only gets tougher for them going forward. They still have a lot of their biggest opponents on the way, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they bounce back. Last game of the week, Walter. Giants versus Origin. I feel like Giants are better than we give them credit for. I feel like Knight's a genuinely good mid laner. Am I crazy? Was it just because he was playing Exile? Or is there something to this team that keeps him interesting? I think he's a, a decent mid laner. I don't think he's awful. He's he's not the worst mid laner that they possibly could possibly could have gotten, but the rest of the team around him is just so mediocre. Like, there's no one else on this team that I look at and I'm super excited about. Yeah, I guess Maxilor, but he's a challenger-level jungle uh, jungler, and challenger-level junglers take some time to acclimate and play in the professional scene. But I'm not excited about Smitty J. I'm not excited about Sonstar. I'm not excited about Hustlin'. I, I mean, this team isn't very, like, fun to me to watch just for one player. And when you put them up against a team like Origin, and yeah, Origin has their problems. But their their major problem is that they have Xpeke playing AD carry with Hybrid, and they need to get some synergy, and Xpeke really needs to learn the intricacies of the role if that's going to be their plan going forward. Are, are Sonstar and Hustlin going to, like, crush this lane? Like, no, they... No. What are they going to do to punish that weakness? So instead you're looking at, okay, well, Knight against Power of Evil. Power of Evil has been pretty mediocre. Maybe Knight can take advantage of that. That's absolutely true. Amazing versus Maxilor. Maxilor is a rookie that's shown that he's going to make mistakes and he's going to get caught out of position. And Amazing is a veteran that can take advantage of that. And then Smitty J versus Soaz. And if Origin just put Soaz <laughs> on split pushers like they should, just give him Jax, give him Fiora, let him play freaking Quinn for all I care. That's your path to victory. If Soaz is really shifting back to his, you know, it's coming playoff time and I'm Soaz and I'm the best in the world. <laughs> If that's really what's happening, which, frankly, I'm not seeing it. I saw that he played a couple of good games. I don't think this is playoff world's level so as yet. Fine, that's your path to victory. Get him on those champions. First pick him those champions. Do whatever you can to put him in a position to succeed, even if it means banning the only three champions on the planet that could possibly counter his pick. Do whatever you got to do, but that's your path to victory. It's not through your AD carry, it's not through your support, it's not through your jungler, it's not through your mid laner, it's through Soaz, and, and Soaz, buddy, it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah, well, he put up last week, and by the way, I'd like to imagine that Soaz sings the same song that you just sang to the mirror every morning as he gets ready for the day. But my name's Soaz, and I'm the best in the world. Like, that just seems like a very Soaz thing to do. I can 100% see that. You have to do it with a French accent, though. Uh, and I'm that, not going to attempt to do that because no, that just be rough. I have not eaten so. enough baguettes in my life to be able to pull off the French <laughs> accent. But yeah, I, <laughs> I will say this for Knight. He has the highest kill participation amongst all mid laners in Europe right now. This is why kill participation can be a flawed stat because what that really says is 
No one else on his team is getting kills without him somehow helping out in that regard. And a team like Origin may be having flaws, but they're not stupid. They obviously have seen this, and I have a feeling they're going to adapt well. And I'd like to think that we adapted well, Walter, to this lack of gambling lines, guess the lines podcast. It's always a little bit interesting when the curve gets thrown, but you know what? That's what tomorrow is going to be for. We are going to do a bonus episode p- talking about the gambling lines themselves, uh, as well as doing our North American Guess the Lines. And you can find all of our Guess the Lines podcast on Slingshot.com. They are proud presenters of this podcast. We love working with the guys. We love the crazy amount of content that they've been putting out. There were like five or six interviews they released today from the LCK, including Faker saying that he was too lazy to get other hobbies, despite the fact that he practices more than literally anyone ever when it comes to esports. So those kind of interviews are just awesome to see. They do a ton of great content. Highly recommend you check them out. And we highly recommend you guys subscribe to us on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes if you search for rough drafts on the podcast section. That way, when we do our little bonus episode going through the gambling lines for this week, you won't miss it. And you'll also be getting all of our episodes, which include some interviews we try to do from time to time, uh, as well as any sort of bonus thing that might come our way. Be sure to subscribe. You'll get them all. Uh, as well as following us on social media. Uh, you can follow me at RedShirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And I'd like to take a moment to congratulate, even though I've already done so on Twitter, I'd like to congratulate G2 owner Carlos Asla Rodriguez Santiago on the birth of his son that happened also on his birthday. So happy birthday to you. Uh, that was Tuesday, June 14th. I feel like we've got a Cassiopeia main. <laughs> the about future to enter of, the League of Legends scene. I, I would love if 17 years from now, Ocelot's kids are still playing in the LCS. That's a future I want to live in. Shout out to Ocelot. Shout out to all of you guys listening at home. And come back tomorrow, where not only will we have our gambling line breakdown, but we will be talking about the North American LCS Week 3 It's going to be a very fun podcast. And until then, goodbye, Internet.